Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I can't begin to express the weightiness of the doctrine that I'm about to present to you, the weightiness of the word and the revelation that I so believe that it's so imperative to you and I as Life Church family to, to allow this doctrine and this revelation to get into us. I, I need you to take off your religious mindset of today's just church. It's just what we do. We're going to hear the pastor say some stuff and then we're going to go on about our business. It's very important that you lay hold on it because it's not uh, he that just hears the word that's blessed, but it's he that gets it and it changes his and alters his actions. That's the man that's blessed. Um, so it's very important for the transition that we are in in life church for you to get a hold of this because I'm going to go ahead and say, if you don't, you're going to be left behind. I say that with a heavy heart because when you're left behind, you, can't, you won't stay. Bottom line. And God's bringing me to the realization of that. And the goal is not for you to be left behind. Uh, uh, I'm going to do everything as a pastor to take you with us. But in this kingdom, it's whosoever will. Without your will, we can't drag them. Jesus wouldn't drag us. So I, I'm asking you to embrace this because this church is so moving if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself left behind. And this is how you'll know if you were left behind. You start feeling isolated. You'll start feeling like, well, I'm not a part. Well, that's because you're still back here. Amen? And, and we can't stop the whole body because of your failure to move. I'm preaching now. Are y'all catching this? So I need you to, to, to get on board with where God is moving life church because I'm telling you, uh, the way Josh put it yesterday in a sense, we're not moving forward, we're moving up. Going from glory to glory, right? That's a little different from moving forward. We're not just moving forward in new tricks and tactics and programs. and uh, We're moving up, and up always leads closer to Him. Right? Jesus went up the mountain to have close communion with Him. So I hear your pastor's heart. Get a hold to it. Let's move forward. Okay, uh, this is actually jurisdictional uh, administration part three. It might be the end of the series. I don't know. Um, who knows? Let's dive into it. Luke chapter number seven, verse number 31. I think it's very important that you don't just skim through these scriptures and say that's what we do before you hear somebody talk. Uh, it's very important that we build on the foundation of the word of these scriptures I'm about to give you. So if you don't have your phone with a Bible on it, you don't have a Bible, well, uh, Sister Nisha is going to bless you with it on the screen. 731, and the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? He said, what can I compare the men of this generation to? He said, they're like children sitting in the marketplace. The marketplace is a place of business. It's a place of economic advancement. 
It's a place where mature individuals ought to be advancing the economy of their community. Are you following me? But this generation of men are like children trying to operate in an adult atmosphere. Oh, Jesus. And as a result, this is what you get. They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another saying, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and you have not wept. In other words, instead of being adults advancing the economic uh, condition of a community, they're fighting because you won't play with me. You're not playing with me. That's my toys. This is my sandbox. And y'all are not playing like I... Why why won't y'all just be seated in the presence of God? Y'all not are playing by the rules that I have established. And so you got spoiled brats. And now the economy is falling because of their childlessness. Because of their childlessness. Put that in your spirit. Romans chapter number 8. I tell you what, with that in, taste in your mouth, go to Galatians 4 and 1. Keep Romans and 8. Romans 8, we're going to go there. But I want to piggyback these scriptures, Galatians 4 and 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a... Thank you. As long as he is a child, is no different from a servant, although he is... Excuse me. Although he is Lord of all. But he is still under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Now go with me to Romans 8, 19. Romans 8, 19. Oh, I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the, help me church. All of creation, animate, inanimate, human, the world is waiting for the manifestation. The word manifestation is apocalypse. Apocalypse. It's it's the same word for revelation. Revelation is the apocalypse, which simply means a revealing, an unveiling, a disclosing. All of creation is waiting for you to take your position as sons, not children. Sons, not children. So this is where life church is, that right now there's a bar mitzvah going on. This is my last sermon. To where God is trying to move us, amen, from childhood to sonship. Understand, there's not a difference in position, but there's a difference in stature. Because there's some things the children cannot do that the sons are ordained to do. But you're still a child of God. 
So I'm calling for people who are in the midst of right now, their bar mitzvah and don't even understand it. And, I, and the Holy Spirit is calling Life Church to embrace her bar mitzvah. Amen. Because I'm glad you're a child of God. But the goal is for you to become a son. Son of God. You mean I'm not a son of God? That's not what I said. Position does not change. Stature does. Rank does. Honor does. Authority does. Dominion does. You can't be given the keys while you're a child. Amen? Huh? Any of of y'all's young, young teenagers wanting the keys yet? Nathan said, "Uh uh-uh. It ain't happening. Please don't give them them keys for our sake. We travel them roads too. You got to come to a level of maturity before, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom that whatsoever you bind. For the earnest expectation of the creature is waiting for this manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly. All of creation was made subject to uh, vanity. Not Vanity means moral de- depravity, emptiness, fruitfulness. Amen? We, we, we weren't willingly born sinners. We were born sinners against our will. We were born sinners because of our forefather. Are you following me? So it, it, it wasn't our will to be drug addicts. It wasn't our will to be drunkards. It wasn't our will to be immoral. It wasn't our will to have a propensity to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing. It was against our will. But now all of creation, amen, realizes the answer to that is the manifestation of the sons of God coming in the likeness of the Christ. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. He said, yeah, you were born in sin against your will, but God said, I never left you with a way out. I established a hope. Oh, is anybody listening to me? I'm telling you, all creation is waiting on the hope of glory to be manifested. And you said, I thought that was Jesus. Amen. My Bible says you are the body of Amen. He has come and broke that curse and established it. Amen. But now all of creation is yearning not for children. Amen. But for sons and daughters to rise. Oh my God. To rise up in position. 21 says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I would stop and blow your mind right here, right now, but I really ain't got time for that. Amen. Uh, But according to this scripture, the the weather, amen, can be uh, influenced by the body of Christ. While you're standing back saying, oh, the judgment of God is falling upon people and flooding them, God is saying, I'm just waiting for a son to rise up and say, peace, suitable shatah. Uh, if you believe you can heal because Jesus did, well, that's the same man who stood on the bow of the ship and spoke to a storm. Waves, you settle down. When you behave yourself. Is this too much for you this morning? Wow. 
Wow. For we know, 22 says, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until right now. Could that be the provocation of hurricanes and boisterous wind and tsunamis? Is the earth is in turmoil and she's in labor. Oh, she's in labor because she's in chaos against her will. That was not her will to destroy the people. It's not the sea's will to destroy cities. Just as it's not God's will. She's in turmoil and she's just waiting for the church. I don't even think we realize our responsibility, power, or privilege. I want to start off uh, this sermon. The title of this sermon is Judicial Administration, The Royal Family, Part 3. Sorry, I didn't give you that part. And and it's amazing to me how this pulpit is shared by more than one pastor. And the other pastor preached three weeks ago on the church, which was Josh. And he defined church, and you ought to write this down. You ought to write it down. Uh, you ought to record it on your phone, amen, that the word church is ex- uh, actually ecclesia. It's ecclesia. And the definition of ecclesia is a legislative assembly, a people summoned to govern the affairs of the kingdom. In other words, Jesus never came to establish religion. He never came to establish religion. Jesus came to establish government. He came to establish a kingdom. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Isn't that ironic? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. Are you catching it? Amen. Jesus could not stay a child. Some of you need to get him out of the manger. He ain't in there no more. Amen. A childish Jesus would have never been able to work out redemptive plan. So a son, a son had to be given. And here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. I need to get you out of your religious mindset lest you ride your pew to heaven and your community goes to hell. Lest you ride your pew to heaven and demons run roughshod roughshod over our community. No, you have been summoned to a legislative body to get the word in you and then stand and declare, thus says the Lord. As a son. I'm going to say some things. It's going to shock some of you. And some of you may better not be back. But God done said there'll be decrease before they increase. But I ain't stand on this level no more. Are you ready to go? He came to establish a kingdom. Oh, I wish I would have put this definition on the screen. He came to establish a kingdom. Let me tell you what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a domain. Kingdom. Kingdom. Amen. Just put that word up there. Maybe it'll help us. I don't know if you can split it up or not. King slash dumb. Kingdom. A kingdom is a domain. It's king's domain. 
It's a domain, the kingdom is the domain of a king or a territory governed by the will of a king. Catch this. A kingdom is the domain of a king. It's a territory governed by the will of the king, which creates a culture that reflects the values and morals of that king. That's the whole plan of God. To create a kingdom on earth that, is a, that creates a culture that reflects the morals and the values, values of its king, not its president. I don't know who you voted for or what your uh, political persuasion is, and I do not care because it's totally irrelevant. Because your president does not have the answer. He doesn't have the answer to the kingdom, and he cannot destroy the kingdom. Huh? It doesn't matter if he's Democrat or Republic. He can't help the kingdom. He can't destroy the kingdom. Why? Because this kingdom has a king all by himself, and it is God, the king of glory. And every kingdom is going to bow to this kingdom. Matter of fact, John's first message, first message. You would think that John's first message would be the most important message. He had been in obscurity. He was raised in the wilderness, lived on locusts and wild honey. Nobody knew who he was. He was the cousin to Christ. And his first message was, amen. It says in those days, Matthew 3 and 1, if you want to write it down. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is come. First message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. In other words, you're not even going to be able to enter into this kingdom unless you change your mind. You're going to have to change your whole way of thinking to get into this kingdom because in this kingdom there is no racism, there is no sectarianism. And he came to a racist nation. They were divided by culture and nation. He said, but I'm bringing a kingdom, amen, that there's neither black nor white, male nor female, Greek nor Jew, that we all are sons under one great big heavenly king. Amen. Are you listening to me? There is no room in this kingdom for your nonsense. Racism is nonsense. Every week, and if I may identify right now for the sake of a sermon, amen, every week when the white man and the black man and the, the, the Hispanic man, the Latino, when we gather together to worship together, we are declaring this is the kingdom of God. He said, you're not even going to be able to enter this kingdom if you can't change your mind. A lot of people have a whole lot of religion but no kingdom because they cannot change their mind. My God, I got a better one than that for you. Y'all with me? We are going somewhere this morning. Amen. John, John's first message. Well, here's one for you. What's Jesus' first message? Jesus, the first, first message he ever preached was in Matthew chapter number four and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven he didn't say, repent because a new religion has come to town. He said, repent because a new government is established. Matter of fact, when the wise men came to find the manger, you know what they were looking for? A king. 
We come seeking the king born, the man born king of the Jews. This is not a religion, it's a government. It's a kingdom. Amen. And as good as you think the American government is, it's contrary to the will of God. God never designed for his government to be a democracy. I declare unto you, our government is the best government going, hands down. It is the greatest nation in the world, hands down. For you people out there that don't like... No, we ain't going there. Amen. Are you listening to me? It is the greatest in the world. But its government was not established upon biblical principles. Amen. Because in the kingdom, there is no democracy. There's a king. You don't get to vote in this kingdom. The king speaks and it becomes law and you say, yes, sir. Scott, you're going to learn this one day when you get your kids. Now, you better hurry because tomorrow's your birthday and you're, what? I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Amen. And, and your kids, you tell something to your kids they don't like and they don't understand and they say why and you say what? Come on, help me, church, because I said so. And I don't say it for your harm. I say it for your good. So, so we love our government, we the people. A government of the people by the people. Do you realize how humanistic that is? It's saying that our government is founded upon the popular opinion of its recipients. Amen. Well, that's good as long as we're all Christians. But what happens when Christianity loses its flavor and you get a bunch of heathens? that can outvote you and then it's the will of the heathen that is the governing body. Boy, y'all are quiet. Y'all don't, y'all, don't, y'all don't know how to deal with it. Oh, it was good. It was good when the government was established because it was majority Christian. And the ones that wasn't Christians had morals and standards, so they didn't have any problem. But I don't know about you. I see a shift going on in the United States of America, and it was split right down the middle of those who have morals and those who do not. What are we going to do when we, the people, is, is, is majority immoral? Is still the governing body. My point is, the government of God is, he is the king. The good news is, we are his sons, not his subjects. Oh my God, that right there needs to be preached. That needs to be preached. And in our government, as faulty as it is, amen, and some of it paralleled the word of God, you have three branches of government. You have the legislative branch, you have the executive branch, and you have the judicial branch. The the legislative branch establishes the laws. The executive branch executes the established laws. Go with me now. Laws established are powerless. The legislator can can establish all the laws it wants to, but it's powerless without the executive branch executing what's been written. Y'all following me? You going with me? Amen. Let me tell you what. They're powerless if the executive branch does not do its job. can have a whole book of laws. You can have a whole book of laws. But if there's no executive branch that will 
execute these laws and bring justice to every injustice and reward righteousness where it's supposed to be rewarded, then it is totally useless. Are y'all going with me? Amen. And here's the thing with this divided power. Amen. That the executive branch has no authority to make a law or change a law. The only authority it has is to execute the law that has already been written. That law, if you will, is the Constitution. It's the Bible. It's the Constitution of the Kingdom of God. The the Ecclesia, the the church, has no power to legislate, legislate, no power to change the written law. Well, y'all need to get a hold of this right now because this is happening on every front of the evangelical church where churches are now changing the laws of God's word and allowing what he has not allowed and forbidden what he are you following me? They have forbidden what God has not forbidden in allowing what God did not allow. We do not have the authority to legislate. My, 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 my. Are y'all with me? But as the executive arm of the Father, we are to execute these laws. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth, translation says, must have already been bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth, it must have already been loosed in heaven. He said, I'm giving you the authority to execute my written word. And what's powerful is Jesus gave us an illustrated example of this with his first encounter of Satan. Three times Satan came to him trying to take him out. And three times Jesus responded with, it's in the law. It's it's written. It's written. I'm not going to bow to you. It's written. There's only one that can be bowed to. Amen. I thought my wife was going to go there this morning. I don't, when you start understanding this and you, you have your bar mitzvah and you step into manhood, amen, when you step into that position of authority, then you have the authority to take the law and in spite of the injustice, you're able to declare it is written. It is written. That's what she meant when she said, let the weak say I am strong. But the law doesn't say I'm weak. It says I'm strong. God doesn't say that I'm defeated. He says that I'm more than a a conqueror. He didn't say I was going under. He said I was going over. He didn't say I was going to be the tail. He said I was going to be the head. So any other spirit... Any other spirit that comes to me telling me anything else, I've been authorized, I've been given the keys to say, it is written. That makes your enemy a lawbreaker. He's breaking the law. That's why the Bible calls him a thief. He's a thief. The reason you ain't got no peace, because the thief stole it. Reason I got no joy? Because the thief stole it. Amen? He stole it. It's not rightfully his. So if it's not rightfully his, you judicially, executively, oh my God, are you getting this? Can take the law book and stick it in his face and say, it is written. You can bring judgment on an injustice. 
Sickness is an injustice. Depression is an injustice. Bondage is an injustice. Oh my God, somebody got to get there. But until the church arises as an ecclesia, it's going to continue to bind our community. The enemy's going to continue to bind up the, uh, uh, our, our neighbors until the church arises and says, it is written. Oh my God, let's, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. So Jesus quoted... It is written. See, you can't be effective in overcoming the enemy if you don't know the law. If you don't know the word, number one, and number two, believe the word. You, you, you can't know. Coming to church on Sunday morning is not going to help you at all. If you're not getting to know what God says about my situation, and number two, taking your position as, your, as, as, as a son. Amen. A lot of us are trying to operate with the authority of a son while we're still childish. I mean, I'm having, me and my wife are having the privilege to keep our grandbabies right now. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lacey. And I now have a, thank you, I now have a new level of empathy for all you moms that are policing these things running around in your house. I mean, you got to be judge and jury. You got to know how to, you got to have the ministry of reconciliation. You got to have the, the intellect of trade. Okay, let's take this and give it to you and we'll take this. But what I found about that, when the siblings are together and they're being childish, amen, one sibling will tell the other, don't do that. And the other sibling will say, make me. I'm telling you, I got this. I got this. I've seen it for seven, long time. Come home, Lacey, come home. Amen. So that sibling will run to daddy and tell, and then daddy says, you go tell them I said. Are you following me? There's no power and there's no authority when childish children are trying to get somebody to do what they want to do. But when the one goes to the father and finds out the will of the father and then you come back with a new authority. Anybody listen to me with a new authority that I command you in the name of Jesus. I command you not on my name, not on my authority, but by the name of God. And then the sibling relinquishes the action figure. Are you listening to me? But as long as we say children, we can, we can quote the scripture. We can scream at the enemy. We can scream at our circumstances. But as long as we're spoiled brat, still controlled by impulses and emotions and our own will and our own way, Satan will stand back and say, who do you think you are? Amen. Reminds me of that, that, them seven sons of Sceva that come and try to cast that devil out and said, we ain't in relationship with this Jesus, but we seen Jesus, we seen Paul using this name. So we command you, devil, in the name of that Jesus Paul talks about, come out of him. You know what? And they left there like the majority of the church, defeated, beat up, scratched, and half naked. 
That would be a good sermon for religion right there, huh? Half naked. You need to get... Dr- Are y'all catching this this morning? Listen to me. In other words, Jesus was simply quoting the law of a heavenly government. Satan, it is written. It is written. Can I tell you at this point, Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. Are you listening to me? I mean, has everybody went on, anybody ever went on an extended fast? I mean, an extended fast, like from breakfast to lunch. I'm not just talking about. Hey, man, you know, you know, you start getting weak, you start getting ahead. Am I the oldest one that ever fasted from breakfast to lunch? Amen. You start getting weak and your mind gets aggravated and everybody around you becomes your enemy. Uh, This is the condition Jesus is in. So uh, it's no stretch of the imagination to say he wasn't feeling nothing. He wasn't hearing piano music. Are you listening to me? He wasn't feeling the Holy Ghost chill bumps running all up and down his spine. All he had was the written word. The written word of God. And that's all he needed. Let me tell you, I don't care what the symptoms are saying, what your emotions are saying. All that is legal to project is what he said. You have no legal authority to project how you feel. Oh my God. Or how you don't feel. It's written, devil. It's written. It's chiseled in stone. So Jesus was simply standing on a mountain and your first example of his encounter with the demonic supernatural world, this first encounter, now he's teaching you something, amen, is simply to declare it is written. It is simply to, if you will, he, he is simply extending heaven's rule into his earthly situation. Are you following me? This is, catch this, this is and always was from the creation of man, the ultimate plan of the purpose of the Father is to extend the jurisdiction of heaven to earth. The plan has never changed. This has always been the plan. That's where your prayer comes from that everybody calls the Lord's Prayer. Amen, this is not the Lord's prayer. It's the prayer he told you to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. (laughs) Thy kingdom come. Thy government be established. Thy kingdom come. Thy king's domain. Your influence. Amen. Are you following me? Thy will be done on earth just like it's being done in heaven. Now, last week, I made the statement that Life Church is in the midst of a bar mitzvah, or a week before last, which is when a child leaves adolescence and he steps into adulthood. And when he does, he now becomes an executor of the father's estate. You're not an executor as long as you're a child. Galatians 4, 1, 2, and 3. But when, when, when you have your bar mitzvah is when you step into 
adulthood and manhood. Amen. And now you no longer need governors. You no longer need tutors instructing and controlling your every movement and your every action. Remember, I talked about it at the bar mitzvah. They got phylacteries. It's a little leather box tied around the head and around the arm. And it represents, I now have the word of God in my mind, but not only do I know it, it's wrapped all the way down to my hand and it governs my entire actions. New Testament speaking would say, I now have the mind of Christ and I now have the heart of Christ. Is anybody listening to me? In other words, oh, Scott, man, you, you shared with me this morning. In other words, amen, Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. Why? Because it ain't about my opinion. You can't no longer ask me what's your opinion about this because I don't have one. But I can tell you what the Father thinks about this situation. So you see, I don't have the luxury of changing the law so you can be comfortable. I don't have the luxury of adding to the law to scratch your religious itch. Amen. I have no opinion or will or thought that belongs to me anymore. Now I am mature. There's my bar mitzvah. Some of you have been saved for years and still can't control your tongue. Nudge your neighbor and tell him he's probably talking about you. Right, tell him. It ain't you I'm talking to. It's, tell him. Amen. And it's normal. It's common. And don't realize why we as a church haven't stepped into governing the affairs of our city. is because you'll still cuss a man out. You'll still throw a temper tantrum. You'll still take, give me my toys back. You're still divided. They don't play like we play. That ain't the way we build sandcastles. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Life Church, we're growing up. We're growing up. This doctrine is about to separate the children. Amen. I used to say the saints from the ain't. Amen. But that's not the case. It's going to separate the children from the adults. And we still got to love the children. But I told you last week, I ain't changing your, your diaper at 20 years old no more. It gets rough. Can I get a witness? It gets rough to clean up your messes when you're this old. It gets rough. And that's why pastors can't pastor churches. And that's why churches can't move forward. Because we're trying to stay back to keep everybody happy in our adolescent stage. It's time for a bar mitzvah in life church. It's time for you to grow up. And some of you are already feeling the division and, 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 and jealousy of sitting. Well, who do he think he is? i tell you who he is. He's somebody who has the mind of Christ and it's affecting his actions. And God said, here's some authority. If you don't want it, scoot over. If you don't want it, I'm not stopping the family business because of your childishness. I'll bring somebody on the most side. I'll bring somebody in younger than you, less experienced than you, and not even as qualified as you. But if they got the mind of Christ and it's affecting how they act, I ain't talking about all the stuff you know because a lot of you know more than you do. Pastor is on one this morning, amen. You believe a lot of things, and you are excellent at telling everybody else how to do it. That's what Jesus told that religious bunch. Now, they're giving you good advice, but do it, but don't act like them. Oh, this is too much. This is too much. 
Something happens when you have your bar mitzvah. All of a sudden, you ain't toting the Bible. You are the Bible. The Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. And now I behold the glory of the Father through your actions. Oh, so that's the mercies of God. Oh, I can look at your life and see how graceful God is. I can look at you and see how kind God is. Are y'all even listening to me? Amen. The word is, and oh, 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 yeah. And now I can, I can, I can look at you and, and tell how disciplined God is. I can look at you and tell how holy God is. Amen. For the most part, uh, for a, a big part of Christians, amen, if the world looks at us, they would think our God was schizophrenic. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. And Kobe just walked in. He's going to get me about that. He don't like me being negative. Amen. He's going to get me. Amen. For the most part, they see Christians as walking time bombs that you don't know if you poke them the wrong way what they're going to say or do. Somebody shout with me, children, 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 children. The world is groaning for the manifestation of mature sons, God Almighty, who have the mind of Christ, who is operating in the will of the Lord. One great big aspect of children is they're all selfish. It's mine. I'm so sick of breaking up battles at my house. That's my toy. She's got my toy. He's got his arm in my area. I ain't, I'm just kidding. It's all real stuff. It's all real stuff. Hey, listen to me. In churches, churches are full where leaders ought to be leading an army. Amen. We're too busy breaking up fights between children in churches that ought to be executing the will of the Father. Oh, is anybody in this house with me? Life church, it's time to have a bar mitzvah. You hear me? When you have a bar mitzvah, the devil can't bring a joint to you no more. He can't bring a beer bottle to you no more. I'm just naming some of mine. I ain't calling that sin. Amen. I'm just telling you. He can't bring pornography to you anymore. Why? Because you now have control of your emotions and you're not led away with impulses. You are a man. When I was a child, I fought as a child. I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I become a man, put away that childishness. My God, away with the doctrine that gives me an accountability partner. Well, let me rephrase that. If you still need a governor or tutor, it's because you're still a child. But there comes a time I don't need a babysitter no more. I don't need you to babysit me no more. I, I, I don't, I, thank you. Thank you for checking on me. Amen. But if you see the pastor's car parked at the watermark, you can know he didn't fall off the wagon. Huh? You can know he's in there kicking the devil in the teeth for some reason, and he's after something. Oh, is anybody listening to me? He's not in there on a binge because he couldn't handle what he was going through. He has become a man, and he has learned to rule. He has learned to rule the emotions of his kingdom. Hey, man, uh, you hear me? You don't ever get angry? I get angry, but angry don't get me. There's the difference. Don't get me. Why? It don't get you after you have your bar mitzvah. 
can, can I go deeper? We, we got to go deeper. But he steps into this sonship. He's had his bar mitzvah. He is now, listen to me, he is now in position to act on the behalf of the Father. Now he has been taught the Father's will. He's been trained the Father's ways. Amen. And he's been endorsed by the Father. That's the bar mitzvah. Boom. Here's the keys, son. Here's the authority. You know my mind. You know my will. We have an intimate relationship with one another. Amen. And now you don't walk around asking governors, can I do this? You now walk out as a man and say, this is what my father says about this situation. See, prayer goes to another level. Prayer is no longer asking the father to do anything. I do that in my mountain experience, asking the father, what's your will concerning today? And then we, like Christ, come out of the mountain and walk by the blind man and say, he, uh, see, well, you walk by the, the one bowed over and said, uh, uh, you, you were loosed. He didn't have to stop and go to any governor, any tutor. He didn't have to go to the Father in the sense of he knew the Father's will. He was the executive arm. I mean, Josh mows all this church property, takes care of it. If I got to follow him around on lawnmower to mow it this way, get that grass, do this, do it like that, I might as well say, get off the lawnmower, let me own it. Are you following me? That's where the church is. Because we're not in an intimate relationship with him and we're so childish. <laughs> Amen. That we don't know. And so therefore we can't execute the will of God concerning a situation. And we're constantly begging God to do something that's already written. Oh my God, am I making any sense to you? This is so important for us. So what you need, I'm going fin- I'm to say some stuff now. What you need to understand is this was the ultimate goal of the father when he created Adam and put him in the garden. From the very beginning. To move you from childhood to sonship. To move you from being a recipient of the will to being executor of the will. That was the will of the father. That's the will of the father. As startling, please stay with me. Don't write me off when I say this. As startling as it may sound, salvation was not the ultimate goal. I'm going to say it like this. Salvation is not an end. It's a means. When salvation becomes an end, you get saved and set on your end. Oh, jeez. No pun intended. Did y'all catch it? I'm saved. You saved. We all just going to heaven. You show up here and grace us with your presence on Sunday mornings. The church never makes an impact to the community and the geography. Yeah. Wherever God put it. Amen. And we're all coming to our little sandbox. And we're all playing with our toys. And this morning, there's a bigger majority fighting over the toys than they are playing together. 
Amen. And the, and the devil's running rampant out there while all of us children are coming together saying, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I come to declare you salvation is not an end. It's a means, a means that repositions you as sons. Did you catch it? So, 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 boy, y'all are a good class this morning. The ultimate end of the whole New Testament was to reposition you as sons and daughters, which is done via salvation. Follow me? It's done through salvation, but that was never the end. It was simply, salvation would have never even had to come had we not lost our position. But because Adam lost position, it took salvation to put me back into position to begin to be discipled to become a son. My God. Hurry, I got to get to some places. Matter of fact, write this down. I ain't got time. Matthew 8, uh, 8 and 4. Throw it up on the screen. Nisha, let me run through these. Ma- uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew. Psalms 8, 4 through 6. I need to lay a little bit of a foundation. Psalms 8, 4 through 6. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels as has crowned him with what? He made you and crowned you with glory and honor. And you made him to have what? You made, he made you to have dominion over all the works of thy head. And you have put all things under. Here's the purpose. I created the earth and I created the man to have dominion over it. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let, us, let him have dominion. Let him rule. This was the intended purpose from the God from the beginning. So the ultimate purpose was to extend heaven's government to the earth through a royal family called sons. Called sons. And the majority of the church still fighting over the colors of carpet, colors of pews, what songs they're going to sing, fighting over contemporary music and hymnals. Children. Children. Never stepping into that realm. So if you see your salvation as an end instead of a means, then your salvation is all about you. You follow me? It's all about you. Selfish intent. It's all about you. Now that you saved, you just sit down in your infant or adolescent uh, Uh, at best your adolescent stage, if you will, and just play with your little toys in your toy box till Jesus comes and ride up and down the roads of your community and condemn drug addicts. Condemn the works of the devil. When God said the only reason darkness is prevailing is because light is diminishing. He said you are the light of the world. You are the city set upon the hill. Amen. He said the whole world is waiting in earnest expectation. And that is one of the most profound Greek translations. It's actually three words. In his head, neck, and stretch. Earnest expectations is head, neck, and stretch. It's broken down in three words. And it literally means they're standing on their tiptoes looking, longing for some for sons and God to be manifested, to destroy, to bring peace to my chaotic situation. They're waiting on you in that prison, Jennifer. 
They're waiting on us out there. They're waiting on the church to quit being children. Amen. They're standing in earnest expectation, waiting on us to extend the peace of heaven into their chaos. Why? Because they were brought under bondage against their will. Isn't that what they want? I don't want to be like this. Would somebody just wave at me if you remember that? Before you got saved, maybe some still. I didn't want to be a drunk, but I was a drunk. So they're waiting on you to stand up as a man, as a woman, as a son and begin to execute the justice of God on the prison bars that are holding them captive. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Listen to me. I need to try to quit. You're getting tired, but listen to this. We as the ecclesia, catch this statement. We as the ecclesia, we as the church, will never be able to make a difference until we realize we are the answer. I don't know what the crisis is, but can I tell you, if you're there, the Calvary's not coming. He's there. You know, in that bad chaos situation, the medics ain't coming. You are the medic. But until we realize... We have been authorized and deputized to bring order to this situation. We're standing back like children waiting on somebody else. Everybody's waiting on somebody to bring change in Caldwell Parish. I tell you, Life Church has been anointed to bring change. But we can't do it in a childish mindset. Someone has got to say to the crippled situation, look upon us. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give it unto you. In Jesus' name, rise to another level. They were just executing the will of heaven on earth. So now I close with what started this sermon. In prayer, God spoke to me and said, there's children in the marketplace. When we ought to be transacting the business of the Father, we're fussing about who took our toys, who ain't playing fair, and then we plastered on Facebook. Children. Children. He said, I got children in the place where they ought to be doing business. They ought to be executing the love of the Father. They ought to be bringing the glory of God. They ought to be binding the strong man, disarming him, and spoiling his goods. They ought to be bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth everywhere they go. He said, But I got children in the marketplace. Nisha, I want you to put these scriptures up. I want you to write them down. I want you to take this home with you. Luke chapter number 9, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read to you verse number 6. And I want to show you the transition and, and show you why salvation is not an end. It's a means. Then he called his 12 disciples. Somebody shout called. He called them to him. 
Then he gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. And he did what? And then he sent them. The calling was not an end. It was a means. See it? Thank God you're called. Thank God your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But he called you to disciple you and to train you and prepare you so he could. There comes a time, moms and dads, when it's time to break the plate of our children. I still ain't got my kid's plate broke yet. Can I get a witness? It's time for them to go on and start being productive themselves. He called his 12 disciples, gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. Then he sent them to preach what? That's what I'm preaching to you today. And This might be too much for you, but I'm going to say it. The gospel of salvation is killing us because we don't understand the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation is about escapism and it's about selfishness because all it talks about is you. It's you. Jesus didn't come preaching the gospel of salvation. He come preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And it says, I'm reinstating you as son so I can train you and send you to execute the kingdom. That's the difference. The gospel of salvation is evangelical and it's all about escaping hell. The gospel of the kingdom is about you being raised back up to be a son and a daughter to begin to advance the kingdom of God. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And verse number 6 says, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, I didn't have time to go there, but if you'll notice in this chapter, it says he called his disciples. Disciple means pupil. It means boy student. And in the next two or three verses, it called them apostles. They went from pupils to apostles. They went from boy students to full-grown adults that were going and executing the will of God. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all following me? It's the gospel of the kingdom. He called you to send you. You as an individual have got to come to the place to where you put away childish things. You have your bar mitzvah. And you start being an executor of the will of God. Life Church, God is calling us now to this era to where we put away our childishness. We put away our childishness, our fighting in the marketplace, and begin to raise the economic value of the geographical location that we live in, in the spirit and in economics. Stand with me all over this building. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.